and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Emmett Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And so the show, we're wrapping up our last webinar. Ooh, it was a banger. We talked about how to run the numbers on your investment property. And the thing I really liked about this one, and I think we will release the full audio of this as well, but you can also watch their whole video version as well. Producer David will remind me to link that up in the show notes. What I liked about it was that it covered a lot of how to run your numbers, if you were just a beginner or whether you were really advanced as well. And of course, we gave away our big ROI spreadsheet, which we've been talking about a lot. What I want to do in today's episode is cover the three big themes that came out from that, because it's quite interesting. The three themes we're going to talk about today are probably not the three ones that I thought we were going to be talking about going into it. So we got asked a lot of questions. There were a lot of messages in the chat, and that's kind of framed the three big themes we're going to talk about. Give us the first one, Andrew. What was the big theme for you coming away from this? So the main one is to know what numbers you're aiming to actually get as a result and to assess whether or not a property is a good investment or not, I guess. And with a tool like this, you know, you can put in any leveraged property and and with a reasonable capital growth rate, and you'll get a reasonable return on investment, 200% plus. So how do you know whether or not that's actually a good investment property? The numbers that we aim for, generally speaking, would be somewhere around the 400 mark, plus or minus 75 to 100, depending. I mean, you buy properties for different reasons, so you do have to understand what you're looking for. If you're looking for a high cash flow property, you might accept a lower return on investment, so long as you've got the cash flow outcome that you're looking for to put into your portfolio to help top up some of those growth properties. But if you're looking for a, a reasonable growth property or overall property to add to your portfolio, you're starting out somewhere around that midpoint of 400% is a good ROI to look for over the 15 years time. And so how does 400% compare to an uninflation adjusted annual growth rate? So it works out to be about 11.4% per year if you're only investing equity. So what we mean by that, that means you're borrowing 100% on the purchase price, you're using no cash deposit. So you're getting an 11.4% return on the equity plus any cash flow. The return that you're getting is on money that you don't have. It's on usable equity and other assets. I do think that one, Andrew, is pretty important. The idea that if you run your numbers through a spreadsheet, for most properties, it's going to look pretty healthy because it's a leveraged investment. But you've also got to decide, well, which property should I then invest for? And it's all very good coming out with a return on investment or an internal rate of return or some other mechanism of, well, what's the return I'm going to get? They're all going to look pretty reasonable with property, depending on what you're investing in. The key question is, well, how do I put that into context of which one I should then go for, or should I keep looking for properties? And I think that's really important to aim for that 350 to 450 ROI through what we are doing or what we calculate within our specific spreadsheet. If you had a different methodology, you might do something a bit different. The other thing that came through as a real key theme, I was a bit surprised about this, was this idea of opportunity cost. And I just want to explain what this is and talk about why it's so important. So this is the idea of what else could you do with that money if you didn't invest it, in this case, in property. So if you've got equity available and you're not going to invest in property, what else could I have invested in otherwise? Because what you're kind of weighing up in that instance is, well, should I invest in property or should I invest in something else. So could I get a better return if I invest in something else? This came through continually and continually. Now you might ask me, well, Ed, how much time do you actually spend thinking about opportunity costs within property? Look, my honest answer is very little. I don't really think about opportunity costs. And the reason I don't really think about it is because 
I'm more interested in comparing two properties in order to say, well, which property should I invest in as opposed to deciding that I'm going to invest in something else. And the reason behind that is kind of what Andrew alluded to, which is the fact that for most investors that I see, for the average mum and dad investor I see, you're not investing cash. They don't have 120 grand cash that they're going to invest in shares or in commercial property or in Bitcoin or something else because it's leveraged against their own property. So if you've got equity, generally your opportunity cost is zero. Because if you do nothing with that equity, if you don't invest it in property, most people are going to leave it there within their home. It's getting 0% return, it's dead equity, it's lazy money, it's not invested, it's just wealth that they've got in their home and to access it, they need to re-leverage that house. They need to pull that money out in the form of a bank loan in order to be able to invest it. And the fact of the matter is that most people would not have the risk profile to take that money and invest it in Bitcoin and then pay the mortgage because Bitcoin's not giving you a dividend to then go pay that. Most people would not do that with shares, even though shares can give you a dividend, but generally that's only every six months and the dividends can be sporadic depending on what's happening with the specific company in question. So generally the way that I look at this is there's very little opportunity cost if you are using equity to invest if you're not using a cash deposit because the only other things you're usually going to do is buy consumer goods like a boat or a holiday home or you're going to go ahead and purchase an investment property because it's got a decent level of rent coming off it which is then going to pay that mortgage. Most people are probably not going to put that in shares, Bitcoin, managed funds, something else and that's why I don't really focus on opportunity cost all that much. Now having said that there could be some opportunity costs. So if you've got a negatively geared property when interest rates rise, you might be putting in some amount of money into that property. Maybe it's $50 a week for a couple of years. Nothing wrong with that as long as the rest of the numbers work. There's obviously some opportunity cost in that you could have put that $50 a week away into some other type of investment. Look, generally that sort of thing is going to be so small compared to the overarching capital growth that it's just not material enough to include it and to really think deeply about it compared to the decision between properties. Now, having said that, if you are investing with a cash deposit, then absolutely, this is where you could start to think about the opportunity cost. And so I've put some numbers together for you. Of course you have. The average return on shares, ballpark, we would usually say 10% compounding every year over time. Now you might say, well, Andrew just told me before that if I'm investing equity, 11.4% per year, so property might be doing a little bit better. And I would say, yes, that is true. But what you've got to remember in that sample that Andrew talked about before, that was investing solely with equity. Now, if you're putting a cash deposit in, your cash flow position is going to be better. And because of that, you are going to get a much better return because you've got more cash flow coming off that property. Why? Because your mortgage isn't big enough. And you had to have a deposit one way or another. That's right. In that instance, you've got money there. And so your mortgage is smaller. You're getting more cash flow off that. So we're looking at apples and apples here. Now, the growth rate, if you're investing that money into a property, that pushes up the annual return I'm using a 600k property, by the way, all the usual standard assumptions, which I won't go through 
today because we've got 600 episodes on those. <laughs> the average return per year there is about 13.5% per year. So if we compare that with shares, which might be 10% per year, you know, we're looking at 60% more returns through property over that 15 year period that I'm looking at. The reason I don't go into opportunity costs that much, and I do want to defend this position a little bit, is my feeling is that not that it's not important, but that once you start digging down at the individual property level, it's a little bit niche for me. And I do just feel that when we're giving out these tools to people that we've got to make sure we've got simplicity in mind. Now, I'm not saying that people shouldn't think about opportunity costs course you've got to think about it. If you're a real data nerd, go for your life. But it's just not something that I, I really want to include within the, the return on investment calculations that I usually put out there because it's just not available for most people. It's not where most people are at. What was the third key theme, Andrew? Third thing was around interest rates. So we know that we're in a record low interest rate environment and what goes down must come up. So we're going to see rising interest rates. Over the weekend, I saw some of the banks had increased some of their rates, particularly on the long term. So unfortunately, Ed and I don't have a crystal ball. Speak for yourself, it's under my pillow. Well, if you did, you wouldn't have worn that shirt today. So years one to three, we use 2.25% as our best guess. Years four to five, we use 3.5%. Years six to seven, we're using 4%. Years eight to nine, we're using 4.5%. And year 10 to 15 or onwards, we're using 5%. So these are our best guess Ed licks his finger, puts it in the air, and comes up with a prediction. You mean Ed pours over Reserve Bank statements <laughs> and comes up with an example. Now, I do think that some of these are actually going to be much higher than we would actually expect to say. So, for instance, the 10-year average of interest rates has been about 4.7% rather than 5%. But we think it's better to err on the side of caution in this instance. But those are the three key themes that really came out of the webinar that people seemed most interested to be. What numbers do we actually put into a calculation? What numbers are we putting into the forecast? So don't just give us the tools, but tell us, you know, give us some guidance about what numbers we should get in and how do we interpret the results that we get? And the other thing that, you know, key theme, that was theme number two came out, was around that opportunity cost. How are we thinking about the alternatives that we could otherwise invest in if we're deciding not to invest in property? Now, only a couple of days, about a week after that specific webinar, and I know there were hundreds of people on the live session. I know we've had almost about a thousand views on that replay as well. So we know this one has been particularly popular. What we're going to do is I'm going to drop a link to where you can watch the whole replay if you weren't able to make it. That's going to be in the show notes. So tap swipe over the cover art. There'll be a link in there. Or we'll also release this as an audio version as well. We'll release the whole webinar as an audio version, though it was quite visual because we were sharing our screen. So, you know, it may not be the if best listening experience. you don't want to hear experience. me tapping away into my laptop as I do the numbers I live. got so angry at you not being able to use a computer properly and then putting your microphone in front of your face. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really helps us get the message out to more people. One other thing we announced at the webinar, we are now offering cash flow hacking reviews. So this came out of the one even before that with Ilsa, where we talked about how to increase the cash flow on your portfolio. So Ilsa's now going to sit down with you for an hour, go through your portfolio and offer you some ideas for how do I increase the rent? What can I do to my property so I can get more rent off this portfolio? Small fee for that, 250 plus GST. I'm going to drop a link where you can sign up for that in the show notes and book in a time for Ilsa. So again, tap and swipe over the cover up. There'll be a link in there for you. Thanks 
Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. I'm Andrew Nichols. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.